0: Welcome to the Calm Surgery Podcast Edition, hosted by Christine Townsend. Um, I just want to say welcome to everyone. For those who don't know me, I am Christine Townsend. I am the founder um, and uh, head honcho of PIO Toolkit. Um, I want to thank you for coming. If you haven't been before, really appreciate it. And thank you for those who have come back. Which is always a good sign. Um, Today, we have three fantastic people uh, on our panel. Some of you may know them. If you don't, you're about to get to know them. They are exemplary examples of PIOs and comps professionals. Um, The great thing is, uh, it's a bit of a north south thing going on today. So, um, what I'll do is, I'll, I'll i'll say who's here and then i'll get everyone to um introduce themselves so we have um rob keller who's up in north dakota we have trent farris and renee underlick i hope i've pronounced that correctly and they're in south carolina so we're kind of and then there's me in the middle in austin texas uh the center of the world as far as texans are concerned um so what i'm going to ask you to do i'm going to start with uh trent because i think trent may need to explain where he is and what he's doing but trent <laughs> Ace, can you just introduce yourself to everyone?
1: Oh, I'm so glad to be here. Yeah. Um, my name is Trent Ferris. I'm the public information officer for the York County Sheriff's Office here in uh, South Carolina. I always have to remind everybody where York County is. Uh, so if you know where Charlotte, North Carolina is, put your finger on the dot on the map there and look about 30 minutes South. Uh, we are the direct, uh, County South in South Carolina from Charlotte, North Carolina. And, uh, that's where we're at. Uh. I am in a different location. I'm in Greenville, South Carolina, actually, today. been here for the last three days for um, the basic uh, uh, Public Information Officer Basics L-105 FEMA's course, teaching it here in Greenville with 27 brand new public information officers, uh, the Voluntold, and those who are designated as PIOs here in uh, Greenville, and it's been a fun time, and it worked out great. I was able to get here on time with the... uh, with the PIO Toolkit because they're in their groups now. And if you have taken the class, which I hope most of you have, uh, you know they're in their mock news conference mode right now. We split them up into four groups, and that's what they're doing right now. And I have some time to talk to you fine folks.
0: Well, thank you, Trent. And tell us what it is you do, and give us a bit of an overview of your day-to-day shenanigans.
1: Sure, sure. I'm a, um, I love to call myself the solo PIO. No matter how many times I've asked uh, the sheriff for some help, as far as a digital content coordinator, I'm still a, a lone PIO at the York County Sheriff's Office. I manage, uh, you name it, everything on a daily basis, you know, the minor roles of dealing with the news media. I just got a text from one of my local reporters as we were here uh, talking, uh, asking for something, all the way to managing social media website and being what I like to call a strategic communications advisor to the sheriff um, when he needs something as far as um uh, as far as talking to the public or uh, making sure that he's getting his right message out. He runs it by me and says, Hey, does this sound all right to you? And I say, like, sure. Yeah, sure. But you might want to say this in a, in a different um, strategic way um, because he is the elected official of York County. And so um, that is a nutshell of what I do, but also uh, I'm the coordinator for our blood drive at the sheriff's office. So uh, we have three of those every year. And so I'm the coordinator for that. I don't know how I got roped into it, but, I mean, I do a myriad of things. And so that is what I do in a nutshell. Thank you, Trent.
0: And hopefully we may do a little impromptu visit into the class, see how things go. Um, Taking time out to do this because I know that you're juggling a lot. And uh, so thank you. Uh, Renee, um, would you like to tell us who you are, where you are,
2: uh, what you do? I'd be honored. And you pronounced my last name perfectly. Uh, my name is Renee Wonderlick. I'm the Director of Public Information here at SLED. SLED, for those of you who don't know, is the South Carolina Law Enforcement Division. We are statewide jurisdiction. We're an assisting agency, meaning we can be requested by Sheriff's offices and departments, police offices and departments, uh, campus and university police offices and departments, Department of Public Safety and other state entities to assist with their investigations with crime suppressions. We have specialty units. And then, of course, we also conduct independent investigations with our agents, things like officer-involved shootings, um, certain trials that go nation and global-wide viral. If you remember the Murdoch trial, that
0: was us wow sounds great that's like just my bag and am i right in saying that you used to be
2: a journalist as well it's hard for me to call me a former journalist so i you are correct i was i was in television for um just under 10 years and this is my first job as a non not in the world of journalism though it's kind of been interesting as roles have been changing when people say oh you know what's it like on the other side it's like kind of sort of very similar sometimes. So I do a lot of journalism in the sense that I bring together facts and I present them to and I work with um, reporters and anchors and photogs. Um, But yes, I have a long, long history with media, and I'm still championing good journalism. So yes.
0: Well, thank you, René. I appreciate you taking the time out um, to do this with us. Really excited to have you. And uh, last but by no means least, off the back of a very successful conference of PIOs, inaugural NDPIO conference last week, Rob, would you like to uh, give us a brief introduction to yourself and what you
3: got? Yes. And Christine, thank you for coming to North Dakota. It's uh, Maybe it's probably your first time in North Dakota. We always say you come as a stranger, leave as a friend. So it is a friend. Although we didn't get you on a horse, and I know we wanted to do that as well too. Um, I'm greeting uh, some North Dakota from Bismarck, which is the capital. Uh, you might hear that our governor is running for president as well, Doug Burgum, and uh, yeah, he's got a pretty good uh, plat platform there as well too. Um, I am retired public information officer for the, the army. Uh, missions uh, to Iraq, uh, Africa, all around the world, about 15 different countries. Uh, always in some sort of crisis communication mode. Uh, worked for a two-star general, told him what to say, when to say, and how 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 to say it. Not quite like that, but you know the importance of a communicator as well too. Uh, I retired in 2008, and. Um, in North Dakota, and I started teaching FEMA crisis communication courses, and that's what I do now, whether it's from critical thinking, uh, all the type of different uh, entities. Uh, Like Renee, I'm a former uh, news reporter and anchor television, and that gives us a good sidekick background to be able to know what we're doing and why we're doing it, because we understand the group that we're working with. And uh, so it's great to connect with you and Renee as well too. Um, we just got off our L105 class as well. I, I teach that and uh, heading out to California uh, next week to teach a class out there as well too. So I love teaching. I am retired, but my wife says uh, other things. But um, it's something people invested in me over the years of my 40-year career, and uh, it's my turn to invest back. Um, we are the I'm the founder, co-founder of NDPIO, North Dakota Public Information Officer Association. We're 18 months old. We had our first annual conference. Maxie, or excuse me, Christine was there. Um, by all the reviews we're getting, you never know. You can't buy back a first impression. So it has gone very well. And our agency, our association, 501c3 is growing. And uh, I can tell you more about that a little bit later too. So anyway, welcome. And I'm glad to be here.
0: Thank you so much, Rob. Um, What a great Great range of skills and experience that um, I would encourage you all to take advantage of. Please um, give us your questions. Uh, We've had a few come through uh, prior to the event, um, but anything that you want to ask, and it doesn't matter what it is, preferably comms related but you know you may have some other issue that you want answers for um pop it in the chat and we will do our best to get to them Um, we are going to touch on pio groups and networking later because i know everyone here is now involved in a PIO group in some way and um, i think it'd be beneficial for you to hear about how they are set up um because i know um, a lot of people would like to be part of one in or set up Sort of informal ones in their own area, so we'll touch upon that. Um, but I just want to start off with a, a, a question. I know that um, not everyone here is a law enforcement PIO, but I feel like um everyone can benefit from this this question. Is um, and I'm going to start off with Trent on this one. Um, so considering what you you do, and, and and I believe everyone here really has had the. Uh, experience in this, but what do you consider to be the biggest challenges that are facing um, not just the law enforcement PIO, but any PIO right now? You've got brand new ones in front of you. Um, and what is it you're going to tell them that they're going to have to overcome in their new career?
1: I'm glad you brought that question up because um, I have harped on it for the last three days. Uh, one, not only having each other's health uh, when you have a crisis arise, but uh, most recently, I've, we have the rumor mill. The rumor mill is uh, very difficult to uh, control as far as um, in law enforcement uh, with these apps that are out there now, 5.0 radio app, um, different apps where they can listen to some of your live scanner traffic and then people getting that information from there versus information that should be coming from you, uh, the PIO and your agency. Uh, people are making up their own they're old narratives, and you have to combat that as, as far as you go. And uh, recently, well, I guess not recently, it's been a couple of years where um, some people have been uh, live Facebooking or live tweeting um, the scanner traffic that just comes over the radio. And they're only getting I have to remind everybody, you're only getting half the story. Uh, a couple of weeks ago, uh, I think it was June 28th, we had a, uh, a swatting incident that happened in York County. Where if you know what swatting is, that means if somebody's calling it and calling in to nine one one, claiming they killed five people and are gonna kill all police officers as they arrive. It ended up being fake, but we treated it as real. And before you know it, people were on that five oh uh, radio app and they were tweeting out and Facebooking information that was completely false, which started, as you know, cascades amongst social media followers their own personal followers, and so on and so forth about what truly was happening. And so before I even talked to the news, I got live on our Facebook page. Our Facebook page where we uh, told them, hey, this is what's happening. And I called them out. Please don't follow that stuff. Uh, You're only getting half the story because when we have a critical incident like that, most of our command staff and our incident commander will switch over to a different channel. And then that's where the real information is coming from. And as you and we as public information officers, that's where we have to disseminate what is uh, truth and what is false, what is true and what is false. So um, uh, people are going to do what they're going to do. Uh, we always, uh, Judy Powell always told uh, told me, so you can control, you can't control the media, but you can control your message. Uh, so that is the thing where you have to do it right today. You, even though you. I was just telling the, the students this week is so you know your role as a public information officer is the conductor of a symphony orchestra you have all your instruments in the orchestra such as your traditional news media being the the string section you have your uh social media as your woodwind section and you have the, your internal your agency internal communications as you, your drums your drums as they are the the heartbeat of your agency and they're the ones that can help you drum out your message that you need, but us, but then every now and then you have the Dr. Susan, Susan phone roll up in there and try to become part of the message. And you have to weed out the, that, that noise to make sure you're making beautiful music, beautiful messages to the people that are in your, in your audience, which is the citizens in which we serve. So rumors, rumors are, mm, I am. Well, yeah. always-
0: <laughs> that's actually one of my favorite subjects man that I speak on about misinformation disinformation and malinformation and I'm going to come back to this because it's such a big topic we always get a lot of questions about um and I'm gonna ask Renee and Rob what they think the uh, sort of challenges are and I do have a sorry a separate question for Rob but um Renee off the back of what Trent said what would you say are the challenges you may well agree um
2: well as a Martin band kid, and as a drummer, I loved Trent's analogy of the orchestra. Um, So absolutely um, misinformation, rumors. I would say, and it's going to depend on what kind of role you as a PIO or communications director, depending on what type of role you are serving for your agency, and it might be changing. So challenge doesn't necessarily mean bad. It just means something that's a constant obstacle or something to learn from. So for instance... The world is changing jobs are changing um obviously for those of us with a journalism background we know that the media is changing and means different things to different people and some people will tell you i don't watch the news or i don't read the news or i don't listen to the news or i get all my news from facebook or i hate the news or i love the news and so i think the the changing nature of what we do is our biggest challenge but i don't think that's a bad thing and i think the changing nature of law enforcement and how it's seen in different communities the um, functions that it's serving i mean we are asking by and large across the country and really around the world for law enforcement and public servants to do more and more. And on the plus side, there's an opportunity to serve. And, and I'm not sworn, I'm not a cop, I'm not law enforcement. I'm a journalist. I'm a PIO. I'm a director of public information. I'm a civilian. So I'm the liaison. I'm the bridge. That's my role here at SLED. But I do see with more and more people wanting to learn more and more and hopefully get engaged in their communities, which is exciting, um, there are the rumor bills, which gets frustrating. And then you've got more and more individuals being asked in law enforcement or public service roles to do more and more in, unfortunately, very dangerous situations. So that's just a constant challenge that we as PIOs have to address. Thank
0: you. That's really um, interesting about the the danger side of it. And I am a big um, proponent of that, that your comms, your words actually help save lives or can cause. Uh, significant issues, um, but I, I want to touch on with Rob. Um, you see this from, I mean, you've you've got a lot of experience, um, military background, and you must have seen things change considerably. And are the challenges now the same? Of pios that you would have had in in the military because again that's a completely different environment as well mm-hmm. um in some respects you still have the structure and and um, governance of um you know local government and law enforcement public safety but what what would you say your your members are seeing as their biggest challenges right now
3: well that, I like to that's a good question so I'd like to go back a little bit back in the day when with the PiO was that lone person that whenever something happened let's call the public information officer they can fix everything, kind of like the, you know, the, in your school, you had these um, uh, fire extinguishers and break upon emergency. Well, can you imagine a PIO, me standing here in uniform, that big thing, and, you know, the, something happens, they break and they come out and we're supposed to come out in our superhuman uh, outfit, but it now it's changed where we, if we don't do something within the first thirty minutes to an hour, we'll lose control of of the narrative. And that's extremely important. That's what we teach everyone is that you don't have you don't have the time um, on the battlefield. We call it the golden hour. If we're injured, wounded, um that first hour is going to be very crucial to what we do to save lives. And the same way as in what we're doing in in this world here. Um, but we're start, we're seeing that the the um, the impact is very important, and that's why we're given paid the high dollars we do. Although it might be a little facetious on that, um, but it's important because in the state, you know, with our within North Dakota, the North Dakota Public Information Officer Association, um, we started that. And I knew might go into this, Christine, a little bit later, but we started that simply because we had a gap. No one represented him. No one was training. Many were like Trent, one deep solo and and we had a major event here uh, that i we we had to bring in 150 pios within the state and a lot of them didn't have the experience and so the and like tread what you're doing with the l105 and and renee i don't know if you've been through the 105 or the classes i mean it's really crucial because some people are just it's their first day and uh if you go back to your first, first first day too so um but it is it's it's different it's um I'm 70, okay, I mean, I've worked social media. Um, it doesn't come easy for me, but I have to work at it. And I know the value of it and having that social media policy, that strategic plan in your, all of your agencies will help you when that crisis hits and you don't have time to reinvent things, you have to have it there. So long answer, Carolyn So, or Christine, thank you.
0: That's fine, thank you. Um, I actually wanna sort of, um. Well, training absolutely is vital and uh, I remember my first day, it was quite the shower um, and first year, but um, I, I, I sort of want to, the, the, you mentioned training and how um, important it is and it's not always easy for people to get them when they're very small agencies or what have you, mm-hmm. um, but, but I, I know that... Um, the networks are important for that informal peer support as well Um, and that's where sort of urge people to join something when they can and so and again we will probably park this to the end of the talk because i think it's important people know about it but i kind of want to stick on um the topic of like misinformation or rumor rumors and this is i guess but anyone who can chip in on this, um, there is this. This is a question from from one of the um, audiences that you know there is a silent majority, and actually, and I found this. The silent majority are the ones that probably um, are impacted more by your messaging um, rather than the squeaky wheels. So instead of quietening those squeaky wheels, how can you amplify the silent majority? um be the kind of so it can balance out the very small number of uh, critical people is it can anyone give some advice on that
1: i could probably touch on it a little bit um i would i always like to give a a shout out to our citizens in york county the people who are in our local target audience our democrat people who are between uh, counties south of the border of North Carolina, the people who are, are the people who we serve. Um, well, we have a critical incident. We have the rumors hit. We have the people coming in there and being critical. Uh, the people who are most critical don't even live in York County, but they are out there. The, the shouters and screamers about whatever you did right or whatever you did wrong or however the armchair quarterback is going to tell you how to do your job best, um, but Those comments come in and you have to build that relationship with your local community to know that uh, keeping them aware of what's going on so they can get out there and they are your biggest cheerleaders when it comes to something like that. In York County, when we have somebody who's from out of state somewhere else, they sit there and they will, for lack of a better term, rip them another one because they know they can see that 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 person doesn't even live in York County the fire, fire I'm right next to a fire station so they look like they're heading somewhere um, but those folks are our biggest cheerleaders and they, they're they the ones that help us uh, spread our message the best so uh, I think I hope I answered that just build that relationship with your community that they know that you are the trusted source of information and they can outshout the shouters and screamers uh, if you let them Great, thank you
0: and, and does anyone else have anything to add on that? I did have
2: a, a thought. Oh, go ahead, Rob.
0: I
3: was just going to say, um, it, you know, it's something that you just don't achieve that. Uh, you have to work at that. Yeah. Um, it, you know, as, and as a parent with the children when they're little, when they're screaming, you had to understand, differentiate between the scream that means I really need help and those that's just not really there and you kind of ignore that. I always give the example when our kids were at the mall and we lose track of them and all of a sudden we start hearing all this chatter and screaming. Well, mom knows the voice of her child. And I think as we do within your agency, know the voice of your agency. And when it starts to get um, sideways, you know what to do about it. Sometimes doing nothing is doing something. And um, and like Trent mentioned, it's the the followers that you have, the people who are dedicated to that agency are going to be your biggest cheerleaders out on that front front line.
2: Thank you, Rob. And Renee, you had something to add. Well, I think it's human nature to want to make people happy, to people please, to to want to answer every question every time, all the time, with all the information humanly possible. Sometimes we can do that, um, depending on the nature of your agency. So, because SLED is primarily an assisting and an investigative agency, um, the thing that I sometimes tell my whether it's community members or um, journalist friends is. I will work to provide whatever I can to provide for you. There might be some information that I can't provide to you. I might not be able to provide it to you right this very moment. Or it's we're not the agency to provide that information. Sometimes I'll field questions for someone who's upset at the state of South Carolina. And really, I mean, people are going to feel how they're going to feel, and that's fair. But sometimes that hate, sometimes that critique, I mean, sometimes that critical feedback, and then sometimes some people just need to blow off steam. Or sometimes someone just had a really negative experience with police, which that is their experience and they can feel how they wanna feel. It's not our individual jobs to put a band-aid over a situation, it's our jobs to figure out, kind of like what both the gentlemen were saying is, all right, what is the information that is accurate and critical to keep people safe and save lives? everything else. I mean, it can kind of be parsed out depending on what your roles are or what your jurisdiction is or how best to serve your community. And your community can be external, the, the citizens we're serving. And you are also got an internal audience. You've got your folks at your entity. You've got your chief, your sheriff, your leadership, um, your colleagues. And you've got other, for SLED's instance, we work with Sheriff's offices and police departments so we're also speaking with other law enforcement and we have to be mindful of the messaging that we're putting out. There's not just one audience there's multiple audiences and it is impossible to make everybody happy but you can still try your best to at least provide good accurate information.
0: Absolutely, and you make a point there of um, keeping everyone happy where well, you can't, and that's the end of it. Um, the you know, sooner you accept that, the, the healthier you become. But I know that that one thing that. Um, can trip you up because you spend too much time focusing on those that with the negative comments, and you'll miss a good story and some positive. And um, one thing that I know we did um, in the department was actually shift from uh, response to proactive promotion. And we actually built a triage uh, of like, you know, giving it a traffic light system. And from that, what we would do is go out and find people. We, we'd look for the good letters that came in, we'd look for the nice positive emails. Um, and then we would go out and talk to these people and say, would you be willing to actually say something good about this initiative or this this incident? And you have to get that balance right, I think, between um, making it seem like you're all the heroes all the time. Um, but equally, it's nice to kind of give a voice to those people like, well, actually, yeah, they did a great job. Um, and so it's kind of shifting the perspective of let's let's kind of make it 80-20. No, let's actually, let's try and make it 60-40 on the good versus the, uh, the positive versus the negative, so it's my my little bit, it's my show. I can come in and say well. Um, but thank you. And I'm going to stick with you, Jessica. It's a, a, a different question that um, I'd like you to kind of uh, answer if you can, because I suspect this might be more for you or for you have experience in this. Uh, this is from Jessica, um, who has challenges getting department heads to make uh, time for interviews, for media interviews, um, and it's, you know, they either can't make the time, or they don't want to, or they don't feel like they need to. Um, but how how do you get people to take buy into the fact that you know talking to the media is vital? And how how do you how do you change hearts and minds when it comes to media interviews for you, for people you work
1: with? If I I'll I'll start. I mean um, that's a tough one because when your agency head or your chief or your sheriff or your director hires you as the public information officer. They say, "Hey, you're." I, I harped it this week. Say so you are not the person that deals with the media; you are the conduit to the boss, you know that the media wants to talk to. So, um, yes, oftentimes we as public information officers have to be the message presenters from your your uh, your chief, your sheriff, your 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 CEO, whatever. Um, and sometimes you just have to you have to sell it. And like I've told them, said sheriff. You know, I could do this, but the people want to hear from the boss and luckily he's an elected official. So it makes it a whole lot easier, especially closer to election time where he wants to get his face out there. But oftentimes I, I use, um, we've had a, we have a, um, our technology unit who does with cyber crimes and, uh, child, uh, child predator on the internet crimes, um, I, I tell them, I said, I'm not the guy who can convey this message the best. You guys are the the people who can convey this message the best. I know you hate it. I know it's going to suck, but you've got to be that person that gets in front of the camera because you can answer the questions the best and way I explain it to them that way, um, they're open to do it. And I told them, I'll be right there with you. I'll be right there. They're, they're not going to get you in with a gotcha question or anything. Um, but you just have to explain it to them that I can tell them this. But I am not the best person. I am not the expert on your subject. You are, so you're the one who has to do the the answering of these questions, so we can get the right information to the folks who are wanting these the questions answered.
0: Thank you, Trent, and and Renee. Do you have anything to add to that from from your perspective
2: and your agency? Well, those in South Carolina know that sled is does not hold a lot of news conferences. My chief has held um, three in the history of his career. So my role is a little different. So we're not going to be, it is rare that SLED is that day-turn agency. We are supporting the, a lot of times, someone will have a great question, but it's a question for a local agency. And I said, oh, okay. well, you really want to connect with that local agency. It's their case, or they're leading the case they should be speaking as as trent was saying you know they're the subject matter experts when it does come time that we are the subject matter experts which does happen then it depends so if it's your leadership is just not comfortable on camera i would get to know your leadership and without being too corny i would i would have a very honest frank conversation hey um you know sir ma'am what are you nervous about what are you afraid about because Nine times out of ten, either they just don't like public speaking or they're worried about controlling the message or whatnot. And there's ways that you can empower them. There's ways you can support them. I mean, I've worked with majors and captains on little things that they could either do to feel more confident. I mean, they know what they know. But we also have to remember, you know, some of us come from media backgrounds. Some of us come from backgrounds forward facing. I could talk to a camera and not think about it. It is what it is. But some people, that's just not their thing. Or some people, they think about public speaking, and that's just really stressful for them. Some of them can go into burning buildings or can face gunfire with, with, and they're fine. But I think it's making sure that they feel supported. You've got their back. And hey, look, you're talking about what we can talk about. If they ask, if they ask a question that, you know, isn't relevant to what we're talking about there's a polite respectful way to engage in that as opposed to shutting down or walking away or say well we're not going to talk about that it's hey we're here to talk about x and it really is agency specific if you're a local agency you can have those more direct relationships um i've been at sled for just over a year so i'm working to get to know the different regions and you know there's turnover in newsrooms just like there's turnover in any job but i would also work internally to explore one um are we the best voice for this and if the answer is yes um what's our concern and how can we explore that how can we f- how can we support the folks who can be that greatest voice um and we can kind of go from there so it's it can be very micro but it also can just be very general i mean Unfortunately, haven't figured out how to be everywhere all at once, all the time. And if anyone in this group learns how to do that, would you please teach me? Because I'm just one person. So every media request you get, it might not be logistically possible to physically be present. And that's just reality. So you do the best you can with the resources you can and people's availability. Um, and, and that's you just kind of got to take it from there, from my perspective, at least. Renee, I think with AI, you never know, we
0: might get there. Um, Rob, it must be quite different in the services um, with public affairs in terms of what you can and you must be more restricted about putting people out there in front of a camera. Um, How do you, when you really have to do that, how do you convince, probably I imagine, a reluctant um, command team to go out in front of a camera?
3: I'm just going to echo what Renee said, and it kind of goes along the topic I want to just talk about is that you know when, when I fell in on a, on a unit um, as the public information officer, one of my first jobs to do was sit down with the, with, with the surrogates, the talking heads, the subject matter experts, et cetera, and said, okay, what are your guidelines? what are your what are your um, what's the left and right lane that I can do as a PIO and I will do that? And then we come to a discussion, okay, what topics, well, only you general or commander are, are gonna have to come to you because it's policy. I can deal with day-to-day things and answering the media and that's the media is great because they just need that for a story. But it comes down to doing something that is policy-minded. Then I said, you're gonna be the one and I will coach you well, talking points and all, all that too. One of the things that we're doing within NDPO, and we recognize this problem that that um, the, the, the viewer was saying, because we're going to be doing a training, setting up a training for the PIO and their supervisor to come in for a day of training and we're gonna go through that. So it's kind of like uh, handling a dog. The dog comes together and you get to know them, what their ins and outs are, what their their hot spots are. So we wanna bring that person's boss in who has to go on to do the media interviews, bring them together and do, um, the exercises in which they will work together for an, uh, an event that's happening in their area. We give them confidence. And then the third thing that, I, that I've that i done here in the state of North Dakota, I do media coaching. We have cabinet PIOs that are afraid of the media. They're great at what they do, but they just don't have that. There's there's a reason why. They're, they had a bad experience or what. And so we do two, uh, excuse me, six two-hour sessions with them and train them and get them to whatever, you know, get them to the point why, why they're what they happen, you know, and the, some of the basic tips and all that. And then the last session that we do, they have to do a one hour press conference with real, real media. We're there. We can do a strategic pause if it's going the wrong direction, but we learn from that as well too. But that's exactly what we're doing here in North Dakota. Uh, but we run across folks that are the same way all over. They just law, law enforcement firemen run to the event. Media come, they run away. Okay, it's just part of the parcel of it as well too. But um, yeah, it's. I think that's recognized in all the agencies that we come across. Mm,
0: thank you. Yes, I hate it. I hate it so much. But then in the UK, they don't put us forward on camera, so no one wants to see us. Um, we normally have to get someone who is relevant to the uh, to the public, um, and that's definitely not me. Um, now, I want to um, ask a question. Thank you, Rob, for that. That's um, really helpful. Um, this I'm going to change it up a bit here. We had a really interesting question um, and I'm not sure who would be best to answer this. I'm wondering if it might be Trent to start off with, so get ready. Um, recently, this is from a, a, someone who's saying that they recently had a critical in, uh, incident where the population is primarily um, white and Hispanic. Um, the address of the agency addressed the general market media, but didn't allow the Spanish speaking PIO to talk to Spanish language media and mm. interview inquiries, um, which as I'm sure we would all agree takes away the credibility of the agency. So how do you, how do you mitigate against that? And that sounds like a real sticky situation. Sorry, you had to go through that.
1: No, 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 that, that's a good question because, um, I can't say that we've had that incident happen before. Where we, we, we do have uh, Spanish-speaking uh, news organizations uh, in the Charlotte metro area uh, that we have them on our distribution list. Uh, do we translate all of our news releases into Spanish? No. Um, I would hope that they're still getting the same message. Uh, but I am. You have to prepare for that kind of thing, and I am. I have prepared well in advance for something where I, as far as, you know, critical incidents where I need to translate in, into another language. And I've found two people within our agency who are, you know, they you know, English is their second language. Spanish is their first language. And uh, I've used them to translate things for me to put out on our social media pages. Um, so make sure if you, you have that, um, have those people and give them some like some basic PIO training on like how, how you would need to uh talk to these to to that um that specific demographic uh because they're the ones who could get that message out to them the best. But the most I know from uh <laughs> my Spanish is uh, you know, two two semesters in college and a whole bunch of Dora the explorer when my, my kids were young. So uh I am like I said before, I'm I'm not the expert. I cannot communicate well with that. Um, but also along those lines, make sure you have somebody who is ASL certified in their sign language, uh, or any kind of language, find, identify those people in your agencies that are able to speak whatever language that may cross your, your uh, desk one day. Um, I am, uh, I am learning sign. <laughs> I can't do it with one hand. Uh, but I, I am, I am attempting to learn a little bit of sign language myself. So just find those people and ask them for help. That's what we need. We need people to help us when it needs to come to translating that kind of stuff to get those messages out clear to the public.
0: Thank you, Trent. I think one of the, uh, and it's hard to read between the lines of the question, I wonder if um, not allowing um speaking to different um language media is a a leadership issue a policy issue, things like that and i think um if one thing i've learned from working in london um you know we would regularly translate into 16 different languages um which was you know it had to be done because of you know you're serving the public um which isn't just one audience um and I know that I've had to fight to get things translated into different languages and like you say, uh, sign language at press conferences and, uh, you know, accessibility is so key because you're not going to fulfill your obligations as a uh, public service. Um, you know, at the end of the day, public is the key. We are all taxpayers and what have you. So, um, so yes, that's, it's an interesting one. Is anyone, I mean, I think... It, I want to speak to a wider issue of how you talk truth to power. I'm probably going to take it off on a bit of a heavy tangent. I know I said this was meant to be more of a lighthearted, fun thing, but I think it's the biggest challenge that we see um, and off the back of what we're saying on a wider sort of scale is that PIOs, are they taken seriously enough to actually be able to convince leadership that, you know, what you're... Telling us to do is not going to work for for what we're doing here. And how do you do that? How do you speak to um, leadership around these challenges? Oh, um, uh, I bet you've got
3: many years' experience. I, let me let me take let me take that. One of the things that uh, that I practice and we teach and we are learned in the military is critical thinking, um, and that is extremely important. When we had uh, protests here in uh, North Dakota in 2016, 17 Dakota Access Pipeline. I was the lead PIO for the state, um, 754 arrests. Uh, it, it was, yeah, it, it's subpoenaed, deposed, and all that too. Um, but we, um, we had influencers that were important for that type and uh, to be able to come out. And for example, Native American culture. A lot of people coming into the state didn't understand Native American culture, and so we did training on that so that the even the media coming in could sense that and be sensitive to the First Nation uh, cultures and traditions that they have have as well. Um, and then you know Trent mentioned uh, in uh, sign language and all that. We you know during COVID we every every night the governor had a sign language there and we were uh, being able to get the message out as well too. But but I think the real key is it sounded like. Um, there's just some sort of issue within that agency that there's something had to have happened to cause it. I don't normally see that. I think Trenton alluded to that, well, it's something that we don't normally see. And um, um, I'm not sure. I would just have a talk with why, what happened here? Let's go on the past. There's a reason for that. And that critical thinking is, comes back to, and I would, if I was in that, in that position, I would ask, okay, why? Okay. I'm going to give you something called second, Second, third order effects. Um, by doing nothing, that's the first that's that's the first reaction. And a lot of people don't go into that second and third. And we do that in the military, we're on a combat patrol. We have to look past everything and have a left or right yin or yang in that. So in the case of why did it happen, uh, we didn't do anything, okay. By not doing it, I can I can project in, in 12 hours we're gonna have this problem or we're gonna have this problem. And then Okay, if we have this problem, and you do that second, third order effects. And people are not trained in that. And good example I use is you're driving and you're late to work. So first thing you do is what? You speed up, okay? But you'll think about the second. I could get stopped. Pull over the ticket. Okay, that's a second order effect. Well, what's a third order? My insurance will go up. So once we start to train our minds in that second, third, then we become valuable to the leadership because they're asking us to look into this crystal ball To help give them a yes or yay or nay on that in the end it's their decision but at least i as a pio have done my due diligence i feel good about making sure they have all the information to make the right decisions based upon the incident
0: thank you rob and and that's a really good point because i've found that um and i learned the hard way that if you go to leadership uh, either ill-prepared or you don't have the answer to the problem you're taking to them they don't they don't tend to react too well. So if you if you have your solution ready to the question or the problem that you're taking to them, then that will help the decision-making process. And that critical thinking is a really vital part of that. And it's something I could talk forever about because I love critical thinking, but um, unfortunately we've only got 15 minutes, but I appreciate you bringing that up. Um, and actually um, I, th- I urge everyone to look into critical thinking because it does help you with your strategic comes without a doubt. Um, and applying any kind of tactical uh, approach to things like that as well is, is great. Um, now, uh, we've had more questions coming. This always happens towards the end, people start asking their questions. Um, Chad has actually uh, brought up a fantastic question and those who know me will know this is one of my favorite subjects. Um, how important is it for a PIO to document and measure their activities, effectiveness, or achievements for reporting to management? Um, or external stakeholders and what are the best practices to do so I could write a whole book on this in fact I have but we'll get to that later um so evidencing what you've done to management I want to take a very quick one from everyone
2: and we'll start with Renee and how do you do it you might be required to um a lot of the things that I do whether it's for accreditation or it's for yearly or quarterly reviews so it depends obviously you can have digital or physical files of something. Um, I am a little nerdy with my routine, so I could do a weekly or monthly little review or screenshot. or It it really depends on how do you think. Are you digital or analog? I'm both. So do you have something in your little catalog? And this is not hours a day. It's It could be two minutes a day, It could be five minutes a week and you just kind of go back like if you go back through all the photos on your phone and say oh yeah i was here i was there i assisted in this way and so it's a it's a diary it's a journal of not just your accomplishments but you're explaining the role you play and it might not be explosive all the time hopefully it's not um but if it is you can at least say hey look Regardless of how I was able to serve, these are the roles I'm playing. And also I'm utilizing it to say, based on what is requested versus what can be anticipated versus the unanticipated needs, here's how we can pivot our strategy so I can either be more available for something or, hey, now this is a priority, so let's allocate time that I used to be doing in one type of project or role that I need to reprioritize. So I would would start small. I would just like any other job. If you've had other careers, I would think about if you're if you are in journalism, think about your reel, think about your clips, think about your resume. And if at the end of the day, it's only just to say, ah, yes, here's where I am and here's where I'm going. Um, take a minute or two every day, or take five minutes every week. It's a lot better than taking ten minutes or thirty minutes every month or God forbid, more time once a year. But everybody's unique. Thank you, Renee. And I'm going to say, because again, I'm mindful of the time, but I will say,
0: if it's not written down, it didn't happen. If you want to get more money, you have to prove you're worth the money. Um, And I don't mean just you, I mean the department, if you want another person, you have to prove how busy you are. So you write down everything. Evidence is key. So yes important. Um, I have uh, templates and such um, that I can share with people who happily get in touch with me. Um, I've created them because I was fed up with my team, not getting the credit they deserved. And then me not knowing what on earth we'd been doing all week when I felt busy, but didn't what we'd done. Um, now, I, unless anyone has, else has got any tips on that, I would like to move on because we do have some other questions and not much time. Um, thank you, Renee. Um, Porsche is asking, um, and I'm going to ask this for Trent. Um, what, if any, value do you, or all of you, actually, we'll start with Trent though, do you see in law enforcement having access to former journalists, um, journalist PIOs, or other non um, law enforcement PIOs. Um, I guess, what's the benefit in knowing those that aren't in the job?
1: Uh, the question is the benefit of being a former journalist going into the pio
0: Do you see any value or what value do you see in having access to former journalist PIOs or non-law enforcement PIOs? So those coming out from outside <laughs> into uh, the job, law enforcement?
1: Um, it's It's... It's funny, like uh, most of the PIOs I know, um, especially here in South Carolina, are former journalists, including myself. I was a, a journalist out of Charlotte for seven years before I, I transitioned over to the, the wonderful side of public information. Um, I keep up with some of the people who are retired uh, as far as um, the local news, uh, and and I guess I'm I don't know how to answer the question, but just keep up with you know having your current journalists because teaching them, uh, the way of, you know, how you can communicate, build those relationships. Sadly enough, uh, one of my former journalist friends who is now, uh, with a school district in my area, uh, told me that the station in which I used to work for that she used to work for claimed that they weren't going to, uh, open up the uh, bureau office in South Carolina again, because quote, it wasn't worth it. And so, that really, one, I, I was sad. I was like, gosh, that, that's one less person that helps me do my messaging in, a, in, a, in an effective way. But then I thought, well, good, because those folks are gonna start coming to me for for that. But um, making sure that you be, continue the relationship with whomever's at that station. I try to keep up with whomever the, the assignment desk managers are behind the desk. Um, and always understanding that they they're on deadlines and moving fast and remembering where I came from and the, the, the pain and suffering I, <laughs> I had when I was a journalist. Um, and, uh, just old and new keep those relationships alive. Cause you never know when you may need them.
0: Thank you, Trent. That's absolutely right. And I would argue that, um, Having someone come in uh, with a different perspective other than law enforcement is invaluable. Um, it, we can very easily get quite myopic. Um, and I think particularly in uh, public safety, uh, keeping a, our own together. Um, so getting people from with different perspectives is uh, just uh, wonderful. Um, Rob, I'm going to switch over to another question because I, I feel like with your, your wonderful words, Wise words of wisdom, you'll be able to help with this one. Um, and wants to know how do you combat the argument from leadership? Well, we don't want to get sued by putting this out. Give me some advice on how to uh, talk around uh, litigation shy uh, leadership.
3: Well, uh, that is a good question, and I think one of the things that we have to take into consideration if you're a public agency, FOIA requests are can be there, and um. The only thing that gets better with age is wine and cheese. Um, you cannot dribble out bad news. And that's that shows a sign of of maturity within the agency. okay, we've made a mistake. Here's what we're doing to not to have that not happen. And you know what? You can you can survive that. You can survive that. I mean, we we'll all have those little dips in there, but you do nothing about it and you and it prolongs and all of a sudden there's investigation and you have that information. Now your whole Agency is tarnished, and that's that is hard to recover from. And especially if you're in the public office, sheriff, law enforcement, you have to have that 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 confidence that what your agency is doing. But when something happens, something happens. Eternally, hey folks, here's what happened. We had an officer picked up for DUI. Want we'll let let you know that, but that is not a representative, and we're and whatever whatever it is. And so that's important. And sometimes uh, those in leadership don't see the They don't want that negative because they're dealing with so much. But I think we have to keep that dialogue going and let them know that it's at some point their FOIA request is gonna come and it will come out and it might be heavily redacted, but the essence is going to be there.
0: Absolutely, and I think um, it's really important as, pios to be almost like fortune tellers you need to be able to anticipate the very worst that could happen but you also then need to be able to communicate this to people um and with sincerity and say you know if you don't do this this will happen if you do this this will happen and this is where we'll end up six six months a year from now if you don't act on this right now you may get sued right now you may think you might but if you leave it we're gonna get completely pulled over the coals. So I think it's uh, anticipating what could happen and communicating that to them with a, a strong oh, argument. And again, with that evidence. So- um, That goes in third order effects. There you go. It's, it's very important to have that future thought um, head on really. Now we've got five minutes left. It's gone so quickly. Um, so this is where we're going to talk and change it. And thank you for all your really helpful um, answers, everybody. But let's talk about, um, I know, Trent has, right. So Rob, you've just had your first your inaugural conference for the NDPIO. So I've seen that kind of grow over the last, I think it's a year and a half that we've been talking. Trent, you've just about formed your local PIO group, right? Uh, just, and just a
1: little
2: bit, we're so <laughs> working on, we're working on it.
1: <laughs> we're working on it. Renee, Renee's a part of this group too. She's a, All right. I told her to, you're a de facto member of the board of of nothing yet.
2: So, <laughs> in progress. In progress. Let's let's start.
0: I tell you what. Okay, let's start with Rob. If you can keep it down to a minute or so and explain uh, why you think it's important to have groups like this. And I know Maxine told her story about this, but if you can just share with those who are either wanting to set up their own group, no matter how big or small, um, why they should um, give us, a, and then we'll move over to Trent and Renee. Yeah. So,
3: we're a five hundred one c three. If I look back and I would have done this alone, I'd have quit. You have to have like-minded people who have the same mission and mission and values of your agency. If you don't, don't even try it. Um, it's critical. We, we now, our membership is up to 130, um, and it's really growing. And it's, we're having, it's North Dakota. We're having South Dakota, Montana, Wyoming say, can we belong? Not yet, because our bylaws state, we spent a year and a half developing our bylaws. That is crucial right there because, and we, I tell you what, Trent, we have bylaws that you can borrow. We spent time and effort in that as well. We're not a, you know, this just a template for you, but we gave a lot of critical thinking to that. So when we come across the situation, we've already thought about it. And so it's growing, we we briefed our governor, we briefed all the cabinet PIOs, here's what we're doing. And everyone had to buy them because they knew they, this association was it's in its right time and um, yeah, it, 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 it. I'm too old for some of this, but it's but it's a legacy that you do leave, and it's a great legacy. Um, Maxine or Christine was at our first inaugural once. You'll always have that distinction of being one of our keynote speakers, and um, we've got the template. We've been there, done it, folks. You can always reach out to my co-founder Maxine Her and I, and we will help you any way we possibly can.
0: Thank you, Rob. I, it was
3: phenomenal. Both.
0: So that is <laughs> definitely complete to follow. Um, to see people come together, see so much talent in one room, and such a passion and thirst for learning, um, about you know, any everything PIO. It was a great pleasure to attend, and I made some great new friends as well. Um, so I would urge anyone who is not in a PIO group to to seek one out, and if there isn't one, start one. Um, Fred and Renee have, have started doing this, so where are well, you? And then how's
1: it, how's it going? And now are you frightened? No, well, it's, uh, it's, it's not frightening. It's really, really exciting. And every time I see that our, our numbers that are uh, signed up for our one day, we're starting out small. We're not going to do a big, long conference. It's going to be a one day training in, in Columbia at SLED. Uh, thanks to Renee for that hookup, um, uh, and their big auditorium there. Uh, we're going to start out small and work our way up big, uh, for years, uh, it was, uh, we have a Facebook group, but how much do you get people come and go from the job? Facebook groups come and go. Um, one of my goals after I got my MPIO was we need something in South Carolina, especially when I saw North Dakota having a, a PIO an organization. I was like, why, why, why don't we have this South Carolina? And then I saw some other organizations that had, uh, I was like, why, why do records clerks have a state organization and we don't? And I said, you know what? This is going to happen. Um, but. I, I realized I, I, I could go all in and just jump feet first into the fire, or I could do, we could do, we, Renee, we could do this slow, methodical, make sure it's has a firm foundation where we can grow it on that. So it's mm-hmm. the uh, Palmetto Alliance of Public Information Officers. If anybody here is up from South Carolina uh, watching, uh, it's a Facebook group. We have a sign up sheet, RSVP. Uh, we have 110 people signed up to come already from South Carolina, and at that is oh, I'm getting the goosebumps thinking about it. Um, so we'd love for you to be there.
0: Great, well, listen, we will do all we can to support you, uh, for sure. With at PIO all Kicks, I love all this stuff. Um, listen, so we've got one minute left. Um, I would like, and uh, sorry to cut everyone off, but I want to make sure we get all our info in. Um, I asked you all to think of one thing you want to tell us about. It may be that your group is the thing you wanted to tell us about, but let's start with Rob. Uh, Tell us about one thing that you think everyone needs to know.
3: If you've been to my L105 classes, there's three comments that if you take that, you will be successful. Number one, here's what happened. Always explain what happened. People want to know. Second one, what are you doing? What's your agency doing? Be upright, honest, transparent. Third one is the reason why we exist. Here's what we want you to do evacuate boil water stay away here's what happened here's what we're doing here's what we want you to do
0: brilliant thank you lovely and succinct uh renee
2: would you like to go i hate the phrase no comment and i hate the phrase control the narrative people as as we've all discussed people are going to think what they're going to think and that is their business as long as you if you have a team or your leadership remain focused on all right what is our mission What is the accurate information that we can provide at this time? If we can't provide more information, you can always, if if you can't provide, if you can't answer the specific question, you can always level with people. Hey, look, I understand that there are questions that you have we're not able to answer right now. It's an active and ongoing investigation. There might be a time in the future where we could answer those questions. Just level with people. The other thing I would do is if you don't have a media background and you're working a lot with traditional media, save yourself some time figure out who owns what ownership companies or affiliates are your local tv stations your local newspapers if you still have traditional newspapers your digital news and then what i would call your power players or those community influencers who might have a blog or a twitter or a thread or an Xer or whatever the heck they're calling it anymore so (laughs) there's only one of you and you can do the best that you can do and depending on your jurisdiction and depending on your reach understand that and also prep your leadership that just because something happens locally doesn't mean it's going to stay local so if a particular television station i always explain is owned by the same ownership group it is not unusual to see that same story played at different stations uh, throughout the state even though it happened in one local community so that awareness Is really useful so you can either be aware of, oh, if I'm answering a particular question or providing information for one reporter, don't be surprised if other reporters are asking that same question. They're doing their job and that's just a tool for you to learn how to more efficiently do your job. Thank
0: you, Renee. That's some really, really useful points and I know will be helpful for people. Uh, Trent, you already kind of talked about your thing. you have another thing or... It's,
1: it's PIOs need PIOs, get with your local people who are not, even if you've got the voluntold person who they, they say they're the voluntold PIO, give them buy-in, make them be, help them be passionate about being public information officers. And, uh, that way, whenever the pit hits the shan, you are, you've got a team of people that have got your back, uh, that are like-minded and can help you get through anything and join everything, go to all the trainings you can. I'm going to go back in here in a second to this, this class. And uh, I'm going to preach that one thing again, PIOs need PIOs. If you need help, if anybody on here needs help, call me. I'll be glad to help.
0: Thank you, Trent. Thank you so much. I really appreciate it. I'm not my one thing, my one thing is my community engagement guide is out. Already gone. We haven't got any left. Fantastic. You can only get a PDF version. Now, the other thing I want to raise with everyone, if you haven't done it already, take a look at PIO accreditation. Um, it's up and running. We've already got loads and loads of people getting accredited um, information on piotoolkit.com or you can drop me a line. I want to thank everyone. I think we can all agree. This has been fantastic. I'm Almost wish we could do two hours, but I think I'd fall over. Um, You've been wonderful, Rob, Trent, Renée. Truly appreciate it. Thanks for all your questions. Uh, If you didn't get it answered, we will get to it next. So it's going in. We're going to see if we can get them to do an impromptu. There we go. Hi, everyone. Uh, (laughs) So thanks, everyone, so much. Uh, We will see you hopefully next month. All right. Cheerio. Thank you.
1: Bye bye. Okay, thanks. Thank you, guys. Yeah.